This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. The Parsha is Baraloso. And of course, uh, uh, this is a story. The story is uh, kind of uh, of interest because it's not easy to understand what the message is. The story begins by Midbar Perikud Bet Pasuk Ahlifa to Deber Miriam v'Aharon v'Moshe. Miriam and Aharon talked about Moshe, which itself seems a little odd. I mean, Miriam and Aharon are the ones, the two people who should have known better who should have known about Moshe Rabbeinu. But they speak gossip about Moshe Rabbeinu. What is the gossip? Alodota isha kushita shelakach. So here we have a problem of what does the word kushit mean? There is no doubt that the word kush, the word kush, which is a nation in Africa, uh, has come to mean like a place of blacks. And Kushim, or Isha Kushi, is a dark-skinned woman. Now we have no, if that's the case, we have no idea where that comes from. Who's the reference to? Ki Isha Kushi Lakach, there's a kind of an emphasis that, this, that they spoke the truth. Moshe and Aaron spoke the truth, and you know that the Shonhara is, is often true. It's just unnecessary. It has no purpose. So if you are giving a dut, if you're giving a dut, if you're a witness in court, you could certainly say Ruven killed Shimon. That's your, uh, uh, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to say Ruven killed Shimon. But if you're walking around the street and you have no, you didn't, you're not a witness, and you just heard from a tertiary source you should not say, you should not repeat the tertiary source and say, Ruvay killed Shimon, because you don't really know that Ruvay killed Shimon, and you're not doing it at a time when you might be um, doing something positive, doing something helpful in the world. So here, the, the Pasuk reiterates the fact, ki isha kushit lakach, that this is true. But what Miriam and Aaron said was true. We don't know what it was that they said, but the Pasuk seems to indicate that it was true. Okay? So now if we look at Rashi, we'll go through all of Rashi. Rashi is, uh, is uh, with interest. Rashi says what to Daber, Rashi points out often that there are different verbs in Hebrew for saying they spoke, they said, and that they, they're used judiciously. And the verb daber, daladet yresh, that verb means I'm about to say something difficult, something, uh, um, an accusation, perhaps. So here, that's why the verb daladet yresh is used. I should give some other examples. Then he goes on and says, Ratitaber Miriam Aaron. The Kasuk says Miriam Aaron. Everybody knows that 
Torah uh, gives preference to men over women, generally speaking. So the Torah should say, Va'yedaber Aaron, Miriam. Why Miriam the Aaron? So Rashi says, He patcha bedibu tchila. She instigated. So she gets top billing, right, in this particular, in this case. Therefore, the Pesach mentions her first. That's who. So now we understand Rashi's opinion, right, is that Miriam said that he wasn't treating his wife uh, uh, properly because he refused to have relations with her. So the question is, of course, Rashi doesn't deal with the question yet of who the Isha Kushis is. But, but somehow he knows the concept. And that when the Torah says, Ki Isha Kushit he married an Isha Kushit, we know that the, that the offense had something to do with the marriage. And so Hazal say what they say. Now listen to the story. Uh, how did she know? Rabbi Nathan Omer, Miriam Aita Bitzat Sipora, Moshe, Eldad Umeidad If you remember the previous story, right? You can remember from last year. There was this uh, 70. There were 70 uh, uh, people who were supposed to make up a, a Sanhedrin. And there were two extra, 72. Right? Six from each tribe. 72, so two had to be excluded. The two that were excluded were Eldadu Meidad, but they decided that they should be included. So Eldadu Meidad, Mitnabim, that's what the Pasuk said that they were prophesying. Kevan Shishamat Sipora. When Sipora heard, when Sipora heard that, they held that Omeidad were mitnab in. And it was they yearned to be amongst that group of people who prophesied on behalf of Am Yisrael. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu was the prophet. It was like expanding the territory of Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only Moshe Rabbeinu, but 70 others. 70 others would also be mitnabim. So Rashi says, Kevan Shishamat Sipora, Sipora heard about Elder Domeidat, I'm now oiling the Shoteim Shel Elu. Boy, I really feel sorry for their wives. Whose wives? Elder Domeidat. I really feel sorry for their wives. If they are so heated up about Nebuah, they want to be amongst the prophets of Israel. So she said, well, their wives will end up like me. And just like my husband doesn't pay too much attention to me, they won't pay any attention to their wives. Because as she understood it, Sipura, there was some connection between uh, prophecy 
and celibacy. Celibacy. There is some connection between prophecy and celibacy. And since Moshe Rabbeinu acted in that way, so, so Tzipora said what she said, and then Miriam, who was, of course, with the women, right, Tzipora was with the women, they were like on the other side of the laundry line, and they were thinking, what's going on? And they heard Eldad Umeidad Mitnafim, and then Tzipora said, oh, too bad for their wives, and so Miriam knew, Miriam knew about Moshe. So, in other words, inadvertently, we've also learned about the Isha Kushit. Who's the Isha Kushit? It's Tzipora. Why she's called Kushit, we don't, I don't know. Rashi hasn't told us, but there's no doubt that the Isha Kushit is Tzipora, because Tzipora is talking about herself. My husband doesn't pay attention to me, they're, they won't pay any attention to their wives. That's what Umisham Yadam Miriam And so Miriam included, I mean, they're the brothers, right? The family, Miriam and Aaron. So he said, listen, maybe we can help out our brother. Umam Miriam Shalomit Kavna Liginoto Kafne and Shah Kavachomer so Rashi justifies telling this story. Right? Why, why should the Torah tell us a bad thing about Miriam? Well, I mean, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to win, but why did the Torah tell us what Miriam said? Because we can learn from that. Uh, we can learn a Kalvachoma. Not Miriam, Shalodnik Kavnalignoto. Miriam told the story about Moshe Rabbeinu, but her intention was not to insult or to embarrass him. Um, right, she was punished so severely, right, she became uh, a leprous. So we learn... So Rashi, Rashi feels that this is a legitimate way of learning Torah. And very often says this. Why did the Torah tell us this? Well, it's a lesson for us. We can learn something from it. And that justifies the Torah saying something bad about Miriam. Right? In other words, the Torah shouldn't have said anything bad about Miriam. It's not Miriam. No, there's a private... There's a private relationship between Miriam and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Miriam is punished, so you should punish. Marcus doesn't know exactly what her Avera was. It's very hard to know. Even today, uh, like, uh, if you want to know what uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's Avera was when he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, it's a mystery. It's a mystery because everybody, the Barbanel already asked all these questions. Well, uh, hitting the rock, why should the rock give forth water? When he hit the rock, he was to the rock. I mean, the miracle is nevertheless a great miracle. Everybody would be astounded. So why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu was punished? Why was Moshe Rabbeinu punished for, for hitting the rock instead of speaking to the rock? I mean, doesn't make any sense. Okay. Rashi goes on and says, Aisha Kushit, Magid Shakol Modim B'yofiyah. Uh, all right, 
you know. In other words, black as the night is something you can't argue about, right? It's very black. So Rashi says, Isha Kushit means very Isha. Not, not very black, but very much Isha. Very much Isha. Biyofya. That's what Rashi said. She was a beautiful woman. Kushit. Kushit. Rashi says, Begimatria Yifat Mar'et. What? No, I'm, what it gets me is the word gematria. No, I said gematria. Well, that's, that's Rashi. Rashi doesn't go in for gematria. Even though there are a few gematria in Rashi, but I'm just saying Rashi, Rashi is a pashtan. So if Rashi says the gematria, what does that mean to me? What does it mean to me? What? It means that he's having trouble getting from the word kushit to the fact that Sipora was beautiful, right? Well, why would the Torah want to confuse us? Why did the Torah just say Sipora? So, so Rashi says, well, there's another way of understanding that the word kushit means beautiful. You use the gematria. Rashi doesn't mean that the gematria is a primary way of interpretation, but it means that if you know the right answer, if you know that that uh, kushit means beautiful, then the gematria will help you. Why not? You know, it's not. It's not that the, the same thing is true about most of the, many of the things that not most of the many things the Chazal say. They know the answer, and therefore they can construct the drusha that brings you that answer. It's not that the drusha people sitting around and they say, "Gee, well, we haven't got a clue what the Torah wants of us." Let's make a drusha. I, I don't think it was that way. I think it was that the the drusha that the halacha predates the drusha. The halacha was known. When Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to the day Israel, he taught them what you have to know. But he didn't teach them all the drashot, which Chazal were able to either construct, reconstruct, or invent. Yeah. I mean, given that this is Gematria, I don't know how much of a problem this is, but... It doesn't work? Oh, oh. Look, I never do that. <laughs> I never can. The Gavadji, what difference does it make? You know, someone will come along cleverly and figure out how it does work. But any event, Al Odot Ha'isha. Al Odot, you would continue in Rashi, right? Al Odot Gerusheha. I have no idea. Al Odot Ha'isha Kushita Shalakach. He's talking about this woman that what Gerushim could mean divorce, legal divorce could be like he just chased her out of the house or he didn't want to see her, he didn't want anything to do with her so we'll leave that, we'll leave that open why does it emphasize why does the Torah then emphasize Ki Isha Kushit? We already know that she was a good-looking woman. The answer, she was a good-looking woman, and against the uh, Mishnah at the end of Gittin, she was also a good cook. Right, she's a good-looking woman and a good cook. That's the 
That's the paragon of womanhood in the Mishnah. Right? Maybe not in Asian Kyle, but in the Mishnah. Okay. Aisha Kushit, Ki Isha Kushit Lakach. Aisha Kushit al Shem Noya. She was very beautiful. Nikrait Kushit. Kadama Kureit Vino Nae Kushit. I mean, that's in, in Israel. That happens, you know, in the, the Sofim, the scouts, the Boy Scouts. They used to give nicknames to all their members that sort of like stay with you for the rest of your life. Right? It's a Kushi. That's like a, that's a nickname in Israel. Uh, like uh, somebody, I guess, some guy with a little dark skin or something. They call Kushi. He remains Kushi. Either he becomes white as snow. It doesn't matter. He's going to be Kushi forever. So then, uh, finally, he says, "Kisha kushit lakatra." She says, "Vata gersha, gersha either halachically or um, uh, physically." We don't know. We don't know that. So, uh, in, in other words, we, we have from Rashi. We have a story. Moshe Rabbeinu, who became known to Miriam and Aaron through Tzipora, who is the Isha Kushi, and she's called that because she was very beautiful. He became known to Miriam and Aaron that Moshe Rabbeinu did not treat his wife like a wife. Furthermore, there's another idea that maybe he divorced her, right, because he was Moshe Rabbeinu. So the divorce was unfair since she was, uh, since she was a good wife. Uh, okay? So now, it's a pasuk. Vayomru. And now, you know, you know, have these non, uh, you know, the non-secretaries? Like, you know, you have A, and you hope that what follows A will be more of A. And then suddenly, instead of more of A, you have W. That's called a non-secretary. Right? As you say it in Latin, everybody thinks you're clever. Right? But it just means that the, the ideas don't follow each other properly. Low, uh, so it, it does not follow. That's a non-sequitur. So what does the Pesach say? By Yomru. What should they say to God? What should they say to God? Or what should they say? What should they say? They should say, listen, Moshe, you've got to change your ways. You've got to be nice to your wife. You've got to remarry her. You've got to act like a better dam, like a bitch. Like you go through this whole litany, which is very well known to us. And, and uh, that's what they should say. But what do they say, Moshe and Aaron? Harak after Moshe Dibay Hashem? Did God only speak to Moshe Rabbeinu? Hello, Gambaru Dibay. He also spoke to us? By Ishma Hashem? Does this have something to do with Sipora, Adisha Kushit, and etc.? Miriam and Aaron are saying, look at us. We are also prophets and we live, live normal lives with our spouses. So like they're, they might say, if you think that Moshe Rabbeinu has a svara, if you think he knows something that we don't know, isn't it true that we're also prophets? Isn't it true that we're also uh, <laughs> stood before God? Right? We're also prophets. Miriam was a prophet. Aaron was a prophet. And they didn't act in the way that 
Moshe Rabbeinu acted, and so they have grounds for a complaint. Because they, they never heard of such a thing. Why does a prophet have to be separated from his wife? <coughs> Rashi says, Arach Ach, Imo Levado Diber Hashem, Alokambonu Diber, Velo Perash, to be there. This is like a, a wondrous machrokis, or a wondrous idea, that the more you are closer, the closer you are to God, do you have to separate yourself more and more from worldly pleasures? Now, we know that the Catholics solve this problem by making two tiers. You know, you could be like a regular person and be a good Catholic, but you could be a superior person and go and live in a monastery or in a, uh, what do they call that? A nunnery, right? A nunnery, good. Nothing like Shakespeare. So, so, so you can either go live in a monastery or you can live in a nunnery, and that was a higher form of devotion. Also, the fact is that in a monastery, in a monastery, the monks davened many times during the day, even though each time it was pretty brief. But, they, but still, their schedule was around prayer, right? Which, again, uh, you know, gave them the feeling that they were superior. And the fact that they, that the men were separate and the women were separate was certainly connected to some notion of sanctity. Now, it's generally said that Judaism is against that uh, position. And that Judaism is supposed to be a normal person and be spiritual. Right? You're supposed to like, live a normal life, eat what you have to eat, but we know that there's a lot of tension about that. We've spoken about the idea of Kiddoshim in Yahadut. And we know that the idea of Kiddoshim and the idea of separating yourselves from things that are not Kadosh is not entirely foreign to the way the Jews thought about things. Right? That the Jews were uh, <coughs> understood understood that, that uh, desire, that ta'ava and, uh, and kedusha don't seem to go together. Don't seem to go now. The question was, how much? Uh, what do you have to do? How much do you, do you separate? Do you separate yourself? But certainly this idea that you have to separate yourself from non-Jews, that you have to separate yourself from people who don't live quite in the way that we do, and you see that all over, all over Israel, this is caught on. Right? You have only go to, to Yehudah Vishomron, you just drive along and you stop at the first flag. I mean, of course, you never heard of it. It's a place you never heard of. But when you go into it, you will see that they're all the same. The people who live there are all the same. In other words, Tatila Umi also is interested in separateness, in in living with people who are the same as we are, and it, as, as I am. I want to live with people the same as I am. That's a very, uh, that's, a, uh, that's a big idea in Israel. So all the Yishuvim, all the Yishuvim in Yudav Shomrov are basically color-coded. And you could tell, like, who should live here and who should live there, which is interesting. Uh, it's an interesting idea because it, was, it wasn't always that way. You know, when I came to Israel, I said this several times, I came to Israel. 
No, I got my motorbike in Israel. I didn't bring it with me. But when I came to Israel, there was a building company, I think it still exists, called Mishav, which was the building company of Apollo Mizrahi. And they, they built houses in Yerushalayim and other places all over Israel. But in Yerushalayim, they had a, they had a policy. They only built in mixed neighborhoods. That was, their, that was the policy, because they said that they wanted, they, the builders, they said they thought it was right for the religious residents to be able to have an influence on the non-religious re- residents. Today, that's not true. Today, it's not true. Every house that Mishav built is in a religious neighborhood. L'chadchila, right? A priori. They announce that it's a religious neighborhood, and if you come in and you don't look religious enough, they won't sell you an, uh, won't sell you an apartment. So that uh, the, the drift is in the direction of being separate and being more uh, concerned about details. And it's easier to be more concerned about details if you're in a community where... Um, Chabad is the only group that's overcome this somehow. Chabad, you could say, there are two people to the wilderness in Siberia, and they themselves will maintain their standard. But they have a lot of support of different kinds. Right? Most people don't have that kind of support. So, in, in any way, this question, this question about what is it you're supposed to be doing, right, Miriam says, we did not separate ourselves from the way of the land. Like, we we don't have that kind of family. We don't have that kind of thing. Okay? So now God adds this. That's the end of the second pasuk, right? The beginning of the third pasuk is, the third pasuk seems to be another non sequitur Right? Ha'ish Moshe. Ha'ish Moshe. Let's say Moshe. Anaz Ma'od was very humble. Was very humble. And Mikol Ha'adam Ashal Pnei Adama. So, I, I mean, is this an answer? Is this an explanation of something that Moshe Rabbeinu is not like you? Or you are not like him. You can't assume that because you live in a certain way that Moshe Rabbeinu should live in a certain way. Because after all, Moshe Rabbeinu is Anav Ma'od. And where does Anav come from? Right? Naseh Odom Bitsalmeinu Chidmutenu. Naseh, HaKadosh Baruch said, on which day? On the sixth day. Naseh Odom. We, we plural, will make a man. So the question is, who is we plural? Who's the we that is going to make man? So Rashi says, This is the humility of God. That God, God didn't have to talk to the angels in heaven. But God decided that he would talk to the angels in heaven about the creation of man. And man was a communal project, right? All the heavenly, all the heavenly angels got together with God to approve God. Now, what does that mean? So I always say, I always say that that means that 
before the creation of man slash woman, before their creation, God created humility. And the reason that God created humility was because that was the most human nidah. That was the most human attribute. That a person could not be human if he did not have humility to strive for. And of all the people in the world, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that's what this person says. That Moshe Rabbeinu is Anad Ma'od. He was the most human being of all human beings. And therefore, because he was the most humble, and humility is the leader that makes you into a human being, and therefore, and therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, or the Torah says, Aish You can't match yourselves to Moshe Rabbeinu. Because when it comes to humanity, Moshe Rabbeinu is the clear victor. He wins. There's nobody else. And then before we look at the Rashi, there's one, uh, look at the next Patsuk. Um, in other words, as a result of what Miriam said, as a result of what the Torah says about Moshe Rabbeinu, there's now an actual meeting between Moshe, Aaron, Miriam, and HaKadosh and HaKadosh Baruch says, Mayom Eshimuna Dvarai, if there is a prophet in the world, I will speak to him in a dream and in a vision. A vision and a dream. Not to Moshe Rabbeinu. He is the most devoted Ne'eman. Ne'eman means, Ne'eman means um, absolute, perfect relationship. God says, do it, Moshe Rabbeinu does it. God says, refrain, Moshe Rabbeinu refrain. Because they even though everybody was a prophet, when was everybody a prophet? At the Har Sinai, everybody was a prophet. But Moshe Rabbeinu remains unique amongst the prophets. How so? Pe'el pe'adaber bo ma'elo v'chidot v'tmunat Hashem yabit v'adu aloi reiten l'adaber v'abdi b'moshev. So it turns out, according to what we saw in Rashi, that the mistake that Moshe, that Miriam and Aaron made was that they thought they could measure Moshe Rabbeinu. But when you say somebody's doing a good thing or something's doing a bad thing, it's because you see what he's doing and what the immediate implications of it are. But when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, that was not available to them. They couldn't see it. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was Anav Ma'od, and he furthermore, uh, he, he saw things more clearly. So if you have somebody who sees things more clearly than you do, it's very hard to criticize. It's very hard to criticize that person because he may be acting according, he will be acting 
according to the clarity that he has. Whereas you don't have that clarity, so you think that he's doing something wrong. Right? It's like, like, uh, that's the kind of world that we live in. But everybody knows that each of us have limitations. And we meet up with someone who sees things more clearly than we do. That is, that's an impressive thing. It's very hard to, it's very hard to criticize. Unfortunately, today, people do that too often. You know, they, they want to have somebody who sees things more clearly than they do. I think they should try to avoid that. Person. Anyway, that's what, that's what it says. So these ideas about te'el peh, all of these things have, have uh, uh, concerned the Mephoshim or the theologians or the philosophers in the Middle Ages. What exactly, how exactly we distinguish Moshe Rabbeinu from other prophets, but in the storyline, in the storyline, it seems that we've come to an understanding of what Miriam and Aaron did that was wrong. We understand what they did that was wrong. And what they did was wrong was that they thought they could evaluate Moshe Rabbeinu by comparing him to themselves. Because we do this, so we're also prophets, so why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu also do this? But and we still don't understand. Why did they do it? I mean, according to Rashi, you could say that they were interested in helping out the Torah. But if they were really helping out, helping out Sipur, then why would the Torah tell us the story? What was, it, what was their issue? What was the issue of Miriam, of Miriam and Aaron? So, so if you turn the page, if you turn the page, Perak Yud Aleph. Right, this is the, the previous Perak in Baha'u'llah. So there's this interesting story where Moshe Rabbeinu, you know they had this story with the Slav, you remember the Slav? They wanted meat. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I, me give you meat, well I have meat, he goes to God and he, he gets into some kind of difficulty where he seems to say that, could God give them all this? It's like a lot of meat. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of meat has got to come into the, into the yeshiva. So where are we going to get all this meat from? So eventually they got it from the Slav, from these birds who... Uh, who uh, uh, gave up their, gave themselves for the purpose of B'nai Israel having meat. So, along the way, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Lo ach uchal anochi levadi, lasete kol amazeki kagei He said, Moshe Rabbeinu said, enough for all these, all these arguments and these demands, and there's no reason for it. After all, they had none. Right, what's man? If you want a, a hamburger, you have a hamburger. If you want a steak, you have a steak. You want to have to ask for meat for. Alright, the Gemara says that there was something odd about the man, that it didn't, uh, it, it didn't produce defecation. Alright, so that's why they wanted to eat real food? I, I don't know, I mean, it's a little, so what, what do they want, the chlal? Vayoma Hashem Moshe, Pasuk Tetzrayim. Skipping a portrait. Since Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't do it anymore. I can't carry on. So I said, okay, we'll make a different setup. We'll bring, um, bring 70. 
70 skenyim, and they'll be your cabinet, or your house of lords, or whatever they they'll help you out, and they'll give you advice, and they'll pass you the shilas, and uh, they'll do all of those things. So you see, 70 was a problem, because 70 is not divisible by 12. 12 tribes, 70. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to bring the same amount from each tribe, but if he brought six, six people from each tribe, what did he end up with? 72. So that's like a problem. Viaraditi vidibati machsham vatsati minaruach asher alechum vatsamti alehem vinasu itecha b'masaha am beloti sata levadecha. So that's what the Kodesh Baruch Hu says. He says we're going to appoint all these guys, these seventy guys. We're going to appoint them prophets, and they will come and prophesy in your stead, and uh, and then you will have to do it alone. So after the 70 were chosen, like 72 were brought together and they all brought Karbanot and then 70 were chosen. But that left two. Remember, these are the two that Sipora was talking about. Remember Sipora and Rashi? She was talking about these two guys, Eldadu Meidad, and Eldadu Meidad didn't want to give up the opportunity to prophesy, even though they were excluded. Eldadu Meidad, they should have just gone home and milked the cows, but no, they said, we want to be prophets. We also want to be prophets. So, so, so Yoshua came and try to solve the problem and get rid of them. And and and, and uh, pasuk kaftet, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Moshe to Yoshua, Abekaneyatali, but you're jealous on my behalf. Umi itain. I mean, uh, uh, he didn't say it, but we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was anav. He was the most humble. So if he's the most humble. What, what, what does he care if there are two more prophets or not two more? Prophets? He didn't care. Me ye tain call am Hashem Nivim. Ki tain Hashem at you call they have. Okay. So is there a connection between the stories? This is Paragud Olive and that's Paragud Beth. So it seems to me that there's a connection. That really that really Miriam and Aharon were left out of the process. In, in other words, they could have also been part of the Shivim Zekenim. Weren't they worthy of being part of the Shivim Zekenim? So when they came to speak against Moshe Rabbeinu, when they came to speak against the Moshe Rabbeinu, was, how did he choose? Didn't he do this? Aren't we also serious Prophetic personalities. Couldn't we be part of the Shivims that came in that Moshe Rabbeinu anointed to take his place? Question. And HaKadosh Baruch says, you don't understand who Moshe Rabbeinu is. HaKadosh Baruch didn't address what they said directly because they were already out of the picture. 
Miriam and Aaron. So let's just look at the Svats Emmet to finish this uh, conversation. Papasuk, you see the Svats Emmet? Lokein Abdi Moshe Bechol Beitide Eman. That's what I thought his book says about Moshe. Because She, Lav, Reisha, Sefer, Dehecha, Niskar, Kisoros, Emuna, Bishar, Nibi'im, Beresha. He says, he says, what is it, what is he talking about? Why does God speak about Ne'eman? All the prophets were Ne'emanim. Hu. this is how the Sfat Emet sees it. What does the Pesach say to us? Kol ha-nevi'im ayutrichim lishtanot ve'et ha-nevu'ah ayudeit pashtut ha-gashmiyut He says prophecy. Prophecy meant that you had to go into a different state of being. That if usually you were gashum, it was you felt hunger, you felt your thirst, you felt your tiredness. But when you were prophesying, you fell into a trance. And you didn't realize that you needed to eat or to sleep or to drink. And none of those things interested you. And the prophet, when he is prophesied, he's like a new creation, a biryach That's what the Gevara says in Shabbat. That when they were prophesying, they became beautified. Their faces shone. Of light came, came from them. Do you remember when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai? The light was so strong that he had to cover his face with a masveh, with a, uh, with a mask. That's how strong the light was. So he says, uh, in Cain, Eina nevu'ad vuka ve'etzer bahem. This is like very a Kabbalistic type statement. These prophets, all these prophets that we're talking about, with Yishayahu and Yirmiyahu and Yechetzel, etc., the state of prophecy is that it's not cleave to them. So that when they're not prophesying, they're like regular people. They're regular people. And that's what Miriam and Aaron said. They said, well, we're not prophesying. We're regular people. And we act like regular people are supposed to do. He said, I will be Moshe Rabbeinu alava shalom adarabba. Shehutzrach lidaber imahem husam lefanav masveh vutzrach lishtanot behatil beshot. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu had to, when he wanted to talk to B'nai Yisrael, he had to cover himself up because he was never any different. He was always Moshe the Navi. That's meaning that Moshe Rabbeinu is always that way. That's what the Svatanet says. And so Miriam and Aaron and all the other prophets, Eldad and Medad, they didn't have to separate themselves from their wives. Kemo Moshe Rabbeinu, Kedi'ita Moshe, Moshe Einbo Pasuk, Pasuk Shem, Shibshad Shalomata, 
Umosha Shalamala Isha Lokimo Shardavim Gat Bishata Nabuaha Yalem Dvekut Bisho Sham Shalamala. So what was it? What was the answer to the question that that Miriam and Aaron made? What was it that they didn't understand even at this point? And why didn't they understand? What they didn't understand was that Moshe Rabbeinu was different. They thought that all the prophets were the same. And why did they think all the prophets were the same? Because Moshe Rabbeinu had just got finished appointing 70 prophets, appointing 70 prophets who were going to be assistants to Moshe Rabbeinu, so that the implication of that is, the implication of that is that all of these 70 prophets are like Moshe Rabbeinu. So they said, oh, if they're all like Moshe Rabbeinu, so we're also like Moshe Rabbeinu. And we want to be part of that. We want to be part of that new regime. And so, so they said, Moshe Rabbeinu is doing the wrong thing because we act uh, like regular people and Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't act like a regular person. Along comes the Tzvat and he said, the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and all the other prophets, and this was the mistake that Miriam and Aaron made, was that Moshe Rabbeinu was always Moshe Rabbeinu. He was never a regular person. And because he was always Moshe Rabbeinu, so he's going to act in a somewhat different way than other people. But, but, uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron, Miriam and Aaron were prophets. It's true, and they prophesied. But when they were not prophesying, they were regular people. They were regular people, so they acted like regular people. When they were prophets, they acted like prophets. And, and that's the difference. And that difference they did not recognize neither in themselves nor in Moshe Rabbeinu. And so the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu had this quality of anivut, which sets him apart. And because he had this quality of aniv, anava, of humility, so Moshe Rabbeinu, so our first one spoke to him, and not in a, in a chalom, and not in a machazeh, and that's that was the, the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, that he was never a regular person after he became Moshe Rabbeinu. In every situation, he was Moshe, he was Moshe Rabbeinu. And that was the mistake that Miriam and Aaron made, mostly Miriam, because the issue was an issue that she learned from Sipora. But uh, Sipora certainly made the mistake. And uh, Miriam made the mistake, and Aaron made the mistake, and therefore there's this lengthy clarification by a Kurdish Bochel in our parish. Have a good show.